Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to our Saturday morning, May the 8th, live streaming from Gospel Assembly Church in Mississauga. Today, we do not have a musician, and so we will see how this day goes. I probably would have us, if you're following with us, have you join me and we'll sing a chorus. And then I'll pray, and then we'll get into the Word. Nadine is not well, and so I told her to stay home, uh, take a rest this morning. Um, we also have Brother John and his family, complete family, are not well, and we want to remember them. And we want to also remember every other child of God that is sick. So uh, I remember many, many years ago, I would have one box guitar, and I knew, knew just about three chords. I started uh, teaching Sunday school with about three chords on the box guitar. And I'll play C and, and D and maybe G chord and find a chorus to fit into that. And uh, we had a wonderful time. I remember even when I went back to Guyana, all we had was a, a one guitar, and the Spirit of God would be there. Well... Paul and Silas, when they were in the jailhouse at Philippi, they did not have a box guitar. They did not have music, but uh, they were in chains. They were in stocks. Their hands were tied up. They could not even clap to keep a rhythm. Uh, their feet were also in stocks. And Paul probably said to Silas, he says, you know what? Let's sing unto the Lord. I don't know what they sang, but... Um, they sang, and the presence of God came and touched them. So today, my voice is not, uh, it's always been horsey over the past six months. And so I think we will sing, pour your healing oil uh, through me. And while we sing this, I want you to get your hearts ready and let the Lord uh, touch you during this period of time. If you've got a need, uh, there's no limit to prayer. Uh, there's no distance in prayer, and there's no limit uh, to prayer. And so we've got a few voices in here. they will ask them to join me, and we'll sing, Pour Your Healing Oil Through Me. Praise the Lord. Pour your healing all through me. Pour your healing all through me like a river of love pour your healing from above pour your healing all through me pour your healing all through me pour your healing oil through me like a river of love pour your healing from above pour your healing oil through me pour your healing all through me pour your healing all through me like a river of love 
Pour your healing from above. Pour your healing all through me. Pour your healing all through me. Pour your healing all through me. Like a river of love, pour your healing from above. Pour your healing all through me. Dear Father, this morning we come before you, Lord, because your word tells us where two or three are gathered together in your name, that you are in their midst to bless. And so today we're more than two or three. But Lord, we come before you because your word gives us that opportunity uh, to approach your presence with our request. First of all, Father, we want to thank you that you have kept us safe and preserved, O oh God, over these years. We thank you for this assembly here in Mississauga and every other assemblies here in North America and around the world, Father. We think of countries like India where this pandemic is, is uh, Lord, so predominant and it's destroying so many lives. Every place on this earth, Lord, where your people are gathered, we pray that you'll put in our hearts a feeling of compassion and care and concern that we pray one for another. We pray and bring our own needs before you, Lord, and pray that you would touch our minds. Today, Lord, in a special way, we not only thank you for your goodness and your grace and the healing virtues that you offer to your people, but we pray, Lord, for those that are not well today, right here in this local church. Uh, we pray for Brother John Mowat and his family. Uh, we pray that you'll cover them, Lord, and preserve them. I help Brother John especially through this, uh, this period of sickness. Oh, God, that you would strengthen his mind and his body. Help him not to lose confidence in you, Father, but to believe you and to draw closer to you through this entire experience. Dear Lord, we remember Nadine. We pray that you will touch her this morning and strengthen her faith and confidence in you, Lord. Uh, she has been faithful for so many years, but we pray, O oh Lord, that you would work a deep inner work in her heart and her spirit. Lord, let there be spiritual healing in our lives, the minds and the hearts of your people. Uh, whether we here in Mississauga or anywhere around the world, O oh Father, we pray that your presence would reach out and touch us. Heal us, Lord, both physically and spiritually, Father. We ask in Jesus' name that you'll bless us in this service today. Amen, amen. and amen. Praise God. We're glad that you can join us uh, if you are joining us. And if you're not, it's a very sad situation to know that your church is streaming on a Saturday morning and you are too busy to uh, take some time and follow us in the live streaming. What the messages that is given from this pulpit will do to your life, uh, going afterward and tapping into it uh, would not accomplish the same thing. 
Not listening to it would not accomplish the same thing. I believe that the Lord, uh, he is a God that is a spirit. And his word tells us, I'm looking at a scripture, and maybe this is a good place for us to start. Uh, we have a lot going on in the world. And uh, as children of God, uh, missing church, over the years I've discovered that when one takes a vacation and they are out of the country for more than a week or missing two services or three services, they never come back the same. Uh, because that, that continuous progressive work of the Holy Spirit in their life uh, is missing. It's like you go to university and you stay home three weeks without following uh, the, the lessons or the lectures that your professor is teaching you. Well, more important than the university is the necessity and the need to follow these services in your spirit, with your spirit. And uh, when individuals will leave town and they're gone for, on vacation or whatever, uh, to places where there are no churches, it is, it, there, is a, there will be a missing element that you cannot recover. And that is why these messages are going forward. I'm not an internet preacher. I never would like to be an internet preacher. But I offer these messages, and this is what my ministry is doing right now, offering a message to those that, are, that have eyes to see and ears to hear. While these messages are going forward, God is giving you the opportunity to see how much a disciple you are uh, to this assembly and how much you will incorporate what is being taught. But if you get it naturally or literally, see, preaching could be done in the flesh and preaching could be done in the spirit. Uh, education will not accomplish what illumination will accomplish. Amen. For God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So I'm ma making a statement. If you miss these live streaming, and live streaming is no replacement for actual services that you're sitting in. Live streaming is the best substitute that we have uh, to replace or to try to fill and limitly fills uh, what a real service will. Well, if you miss this live streaming because it's inconvenient for you, well, you and the Lord can work that out because you will never receive the same spiritual benefits uh, when you come after the fact and try to join into the service. So what I'm telling you, I'm telling you that uh, it is important that you watch your spirit. Now, do I go on vacations? Yes, I, I normally would go on a vacation. I remember for years uh, when we go up to the Tampa meeting and we had a meeting in Tampa. And when we go for that meeting, after the meeting is finished on Sunday night, I don't leave a meeting before it's finished uh, to go on a vacation. And when the meeting is finished on a Sunday night, we will head over all the way down to Fort Lauderdale. We'll take a little boat, a ship, a small ship, and go across to uh, Freeport in the Bahamas. And we will spend uh, a Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday night, I will find a little church in that neighborhood and go to church. I would not feel comfortable 
gallivanting when service is going on somewhere. I'll find a little church and attend that service. I remember one year we went into this little church on a Wednesday night. And uh, there's something about God and something about the Spirit of God that can cover a minister. And I remember we were sitting there. There was about five or seven of us in that little church sitting at the back. And when the pastor came in, I remember clearly. He said, he got up and he says, welcome to the visitors. I'm sure they see hundreds and hundreds of visitors that visit Freeport in the Bahamas. But he looked and he says, I'm glad to see a group of people visiting with us. And I see one that looks like a minister. My family was with me. Uh, but there's something that connected his spirit to my spirit. The same thing can happen with a person that is possessed. They would not like me. I've seen this happen time and time again. Well, what am I saying? I'm saying that I cannot leave town and be gone without keeping in contact with the church. And I'm the pastor. I really don't need the church to feel the spirit because God is working with my life. And that is good enough. And so when you miss these services, and I'm saying this over and over again, so you can catch it. It is important that you join us while the service is being offered live. Listening to it afterwards, you're missing something. I'm done with that subject. Here in, Matthew, in John's Gospel and the fourth chapter, we all are so acquainted with the Bible. And you know, you can memorize this whole Bible and uh, preach uh, wonderful messages but if your mind is not touched by the Spirit of God, you'll be preaching the letter. And Paul, in, 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 the, in his writings to the church at Corinth, he said about the letter, kill it. Uh, when you preach the same scripture that I'm preaching, if the Spirit of God is not on your life touching that scripture, you're preaching the letter. The same goes for writing. Uh, you can be writing putting together, but if your mind is not touched by God, all you write is the letter, and it kills. When you write, like I'm looking here at this Bible, but because the Spirit touched men to put this together, I can read it with the spiritual understanding that while I'm reading this, uh, this uh, that was written by men thousands of years ago, the Spirit can quicken these words to my heart. And that is why the Bible says <clears throat> the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. And it reaches into a man's spirit and a man's life and a man's very soul and touches even his bones and his marrow. Uh, that's how the word of God is meant to be. And so what I'm saying here is here in, in John's gospel, the fourth chapter, Jesus talked to this woman, uh, this Samaritan woman he met at the well of uh, Sychar. And uh, he's talking to her, and they had a conversation, long conversation. But in verse 20, Jesus said to her, uh, he, she, she said to Jesus, verse 19, And the woman said unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet, our fathers, and she's talking about their, her ancestors, and they were not so far and distant from God. And she said, our fathers 
worship in this mountain. And you say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. And uh, Jesus said unto her, woman, believe me, believe me, the hour cometh when you shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. In other words, what Jesus was saying was that uh, you, there's coming a time when a place, a location, excuse me, there might come a time when there is a place or a location uh, might not be important anymore. See, God might work at Bethel one time. He might work, work at Jerusalem one time. Uh, he might have a special place that he ordained that to, for his presence to be there. But God moves on. There was one time when the churches of Asia Minor were connected to the body of Christ. That time is gone. Uh, it's no longer there. When we come, it says, uh, he says, you shall, uh, there, he says, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. And then he says something very blunt to her, and that is why I like Jesus. He was very, not just blunt, he was straightforward. He said the truth like it should be said. And sometimes people cannot handle the truth. Uh, for example, we are in a beautiful fellowship, and one of, of our favorite, uh, our favorite um, comments is that we are the body of Christ. Well, we're not the only people that claim to be the body of Christ. Uh, we have the Jehovah's Witness, uh, their leader, uh, Mr. Russell. When he had an experience, I don't know who gave him his experience, but he had an experience uh, whether it's the Jehovah's Witness, whether it's the Seventh-day Adventist, whether it's the Baptist movement, or whatever movement is out there, there are always leaders that had experiences. But God moves on. There was John the Baptist right in the Bible that he had an experience. God called him, but God moved on. And when John went out of the scene, Jesus came. If you were still following John, you would have missed God. If we are belonging to a movement that God has moved on from, uh, it would be sad in the day of judgment. It is important that we continuously examine what we've got. You look at me today, I have a white shirt. Who ordained that I should wear a white shirt? Uh, you look at me, we have a system of operation. We call ourselves the body of Christ, and I believe that we are the body of Christ. But does God feel the same? We look to the past and see our leaders. We had leaders and founders of this fellowship. But have we ever uh, prayed before God and asked God to examine uh, whether there were little things passed on to us that we should not even have? We think about customs that we have, are engaged in. Are we spiritual enough to seek after God and find out if we should still continue in those customs? Like David and the children of Israel, when the ark of God was taken from them, and the Philistines built a, a new cart and allowed two kind, two, uh, uh, two animals to pull that cart and bring it back to, to Israel because they were afraid uh, to even look into the ark. Uh, shouldn't David have recognized that it was not God's order that the ark be kept uh, on a cart? 
See, a lot of things we might have that was not initiated by God, and it was probably built by the Philistines in our generation. We need to understand where we got our customs from, where we got this dancing that we do in church from, where we got the, 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 the way we worship and sing the songs over and over and over and over. Uh, is that what uh, the Lord ordained for us? See, this pandemic has no respect for anybody. And that is why it is important that every one of us take the necessary precaution. Do you brush your teeth and floss? Why do you do that? Can God just protect your teeth? No. We have a human responsibility that if we violate that human responsibility and we are presumptuous, presumptuousness is a sin. So I take a bath every day. I make sure that I tidy up properly. I make sure that I floss to keep my teeth healthy. I make sure that if I feel I'm too tired, I need to get some rest. There is a principle that operate that I operate by that is following the right principles. And sometimes we can go overboard because I sometimes I think I go overboard on human principles, my own principles. But there are things that we ought to do because uh, when you have a cavity, you never go and pray that God replace it. When you have a, a fever, the first thing you will do is run to the medicine cabinet uh, and it replaces faith. And even though we claim we have faith, I feel that in this dispensation that we're living in, uh, Jesus was right when he says, when the Son of Man returns, shall he find faith on the earth? Because it will deteriorate because of what the devil provides for us. Satan would like to destroy us. Satan would like to take advantage of us. Paul made a statement like that. He says, we are not ignorant of Satan's devices. Are we ignorant of Satan's devices? And so it is important in this age that we're living in that when the, the, the principle to go out there and wear a mask, wear one. Follow the principle to protect yourself because we're not really that protected by the power of God like we should. And there's a reason for that. And we'll get to some of this before this service gets to an end. We really are not protected like we should be protected. Uh, with this COVID uh, virus permeating the world, the heathen are sick, the uh, the medical professionals get sick. Uh, the, uh, the Muslims get sick. The Hindus get sick. The atheists get sick. And the Christian also gets sick. And some of us are sick that we die because of the virus. There's no, there's no separation except what we say. But what we say, is it really following the principle? When you see a highway sign that says 100 kilometers an hour... And you violate that and you crash because you did not follow uh, the principles of the highway. Can you blame God or blame the devil for your incompetence and your presumptuousness? No, we can't. So, uh, while I'm still on this, I might as well advise you. Wash your hands. Sterilize. When you go out and put sanitizers on your hand, when you get home, wash your hand. Wash out the sanitizing liquid. Make sure that you wear the mask in public. Make sure you maintain social distancing. 
And if you get sick, there's something called isolation or quarantine. It means you stay home and isolate. It doesn't mean you walk the neighborhood. Isolate means isolate. It means don't visit, don't, nobody needs to visit your house. You're being quarantined because you already caught the virus. Do you get a cold? Uh, when you have a cold, do you, are you coughing in, in your hands or are you coughing on a, on a tissue? They're simple things that they, they, the world around us is doing and in, implementing that will help us. When you cough, if you cough into your hand and then go shake someone's hand, you're spreading germs. And God is sovereign and we are protected only by his grace. We are living such viola- in such violation to the real principles of God that it is only his grace that is protecting us. So do your best to protect yourself. Do your best to follow the principles, hygienic principles, and the principles for safety during this pandemic. And Jesus is talking to this woman now. We leave the physical and come to the spiritual. And he says, hey, woman, believe me, the hour is coming. Verse 21. When you shall neither in this mountain nor yet in Jerusalem worship the Father, you worship you don't know what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. Now, Jesus had a right to say that. And when he says, we know what we worship, it, is, it was okay because he was including in that a lot of blind people, a lot of blind spiritual leaders in his day. But that's where, because the grace of God had chosen Israel and salvation was, was of the Jews. But you see, God turned from the Jews in that period of time and turned to the Gentiles the casting away of the Jews was the opening of the door to us Gentiles. Let's not bring our Gentile mentality into the work of God and corrupt that which is supposed to be holy and pure and clean before God. And here we go on. Uh, Jesus went on. He says, the hour cometh and now is. Started 2,000 years ago. The hour is coming and now is when, uh, when the... The true worshipers, now you can be a true worshiper or you can be a false worshiper. And uh, sometimes we get carried away with our principles and our white shirt and our granny's knot and we, our little hairstyle. We don't carry a beard, so we're holy. Uh, hold your finger in John chapter 4. And turn back with me here to Matthew chapter 15. And um, I've got a bunch of scriptures here. In front of me, a side here that I have not even decided to touch yet. And so here in Matthew chapter 15, uh, the scribes and the Pharisees in verse 1 uh, came before Jesus and the religious, the, the self-righteous Pharisees. And I hope to God we are not the Pharisees of the 21st century. I hope to God we have not gone into apostate, apostate mode in such a way that we become the Pharisees of the 21st century. Because we need God as much as everyone else needs God. Having the doctrine right is not sufficient. That is important. But when we bring principles in that makes us feel superior, are we really superior? Do we have the spirit of Christ? And Paul and Jesus, uh, Matthew is writing here, 
the Pharisees came and they said to Jesus in verse 2, Why do your disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? You know, we have Jesus, we've got traditions that we have for years passed on to us. And I don't know how far they look back. I think they were probably looking back as far as Moses was concerned. But they had elders and they had a system set up because from, Matthew, from Malachi to Matthew, there was no prophet sent by God, but God was still there in a limited form with a few people. Simeon, who was in the, in the temple among the, the Jews in that time, was, was touched by God and God spoke to him. And so they said here, uh, they said that your disciples are transgressing, transgressing the tradition of our fathers. And that is why I'm so addicted to certain things. Like I can't preach except I put a white shirt on. When you, if you wear a red shirt and come in here, uh, I will have a prob- little problem with that. But I'm growing o- over that now. If you come in a big beard and you're a part of gospel assembly, and as soon as you left the fellowship, you start putting a beard on, I wonder how big a hypocrite you were while you were with us. See, these are questions I ask. But what will a beard do to your spiritual uh, upliftment? I believe a child of God ought to be decent. I believe you ought to look like a prince. I think you ought to look like a child of God. You should do your best, but don't put restrictions that become the word of God for, from your source, your word of God, your own inventive word of God, rather than the real, pure, unadulterated word that comes from God. And so they came, uh, the Pharisees, they had a principle. They had a bunch of principles. They had all kinds of principles. This was just one. They said, your disciples are transgressing the uh, commandments of God when they eat bread because they did not wash their hands. Now, was washing hands something good? Yes, it was. It was important. But not because you, when you make that into a religion. See, I'm wearing a white shirt, but when this becomes a religion, I'm making a dogma. It is very easy to make, to form a cult. When you open a box of matches, they all look alike. Does that mean they're all converted? Not because we all look alike means that we are religious. And sometimes uh, we stretch the truth. Now the Bible speaks about modesty. It speaks about, uh, it speak, speaks about modest apparel. And that is what the scripture says. Your definition and my definition is not as important as what God sees modesty to be. It all starts in the heart. And a lot of times we put on the outward manifestation of a Christian and we live like the devil when we leave, uh, put away that clothes. So we need genuine conversion. Back to that. And so the Pharisees came here and they tell Jesus, your disciples are not doing right. And Jesus said unto them in verse 3, why do you also transgress the commandments of God by your tradition?" See, the tradition that they had was not supported by Scripture. It was man-made. When you want to form a a movement and an organization, you make a book of doctrines. Uh, You make a form, a list of traditions you want people to conform with. 
the do's and the don'ts. And when people just do the do's and they, uh, they avoid the don'ts, you feel they're a Christian, not so. Uh, to be a child of God, you must receive a genuine conversion of the heart. Genuine conversion of the heart. If that is not there, well, I'm following the Lord. Peter followed the Lord for three years before Jesus said to him, When thou art converted, strengthen the others. You see, when God reaches out to us, we must go through a process of conversion. Hold your finger in Matthew, John 4, Matthew 15. And I'm turning over here to Romans, the uh, chapter of Romans. Uh, this calling of God to save mankind. And we must get back to this scripture some other time. But uh, in chapter 7, Paul talks about the laws of God, the commandments of God, the moral laws of God that was holy and pure. In chapter 7, verse 12, he says, The law is holy, and the commandment holy, and the commandment just and good. The laws of God is always meant to safeguard us from the judgment of God. In verse 14, chapter 7, he says, for we, know, we, for we know that the law is spiritual. The law is not only good, the law is spiritual. Uh, verse 10, it says, And the commandment which was ordained to life, I found on to death. Uh, the commandment, when God gave the laws to Israel, he meant that if you kept the commandments of God, you'll be free from the judgment of God, and sin would not destroy you. The reason why we are affected by diseases and viruses and flu and influenza and all these various sicknesses in the world is because we do not keep the law of the Lord. See, David writes and he says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. In this day and age, I have to look with a microscope and I still might not find any one individual that does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. We sit down and enjoy what the ungodly has produced. We walk in the counsel of the ungodly and we need the weatherman to tell us when a hurricane is coming because the prophets are blind. Sorry. No, I'm not. We, the men of God today, can preach all we can from Genesis to Revelation, but we don't have the power of God and the insight into what God is about to do because we are spiritually lacking vision. We don't even know a hurricane is going to hit our society and our community until it's too late. We preach judgment but we're not prepared for the judgment. May God help us. And so uh, Paul here in writing to his, uh, his epistle in chapter 7 of Romans, he talks how the law is good. And he said that which is good. He said here in verse 22, I delight in the law of God. He calls it the law of God. And there are a few different kinds of laws he's dealing with here. He said in verse 23, I see a, a law in my members. You see, my body has its own law. My own members have their own law. My mind decides what this body ought to do. Okay? So the law of God, 
I find here in verse 22, the law in my members warring against the law of my mind. My mind is telling me to live for God, but the flesh, the carnal law is telling me go contrary. It is not easy, and that is why fasting is good sometimes. If you can put a, 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 put a, put a, a halt on your desire to eat contrary to what God wants. It goes on here, so the law of God, verse 22, the law in my members, verse 23, in the same verse 23, the law of my mind bringing me in captivity to the law of sin. So we have the law of God, we have the law of my members, we have the law of the mind, and we have the law of sin. And Paul says, when all of this is wreaking havoc in my uh, trying to live for God, he says, oh, wretched man that I am. Now, that's honesty. When you can bypass the facade that you are building up, when you can bypass the fantasies that your mind hold on to, and see the reality of your hypocrisy, it might motivate you to seek after God and change some of your ways. That is why this pandemic hasn't hurt me. It has helped me to see see clearer. It has helped me to see the vacillating uh, responses of the people I preach to. It has helped me to see who can stand and who can stand. It has helped me to understand that all these people that says, praise Hosanna in the highest one day can say crucify him the very next day. What the pandemic has done, it has lessened my confidence in man and has put a greater confidence in God. It has strengthened my faith in God. Because the negatives are meant to develop my spiritual standing. And so Paul, he says, I thank God, verse 25, uh, through Jesus Christ. So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God. And with the flesh, the body is doing its once its own thing. So there's this battle the flesh wants to do something and the, and, the flesh, and the spirit wants to work something. So when I receive the spirit of God, like in chapter 8 and verse 1, uh, when I receive the spirit of God, it says in verse 2, chapter 8, And for the law of the spirit of life in Jesus Christ had made me free from the law of sin and death. When it says make me free from the law of sin and death, it doesn't mean that it's not going to bother me. It says, um, there is therefore now, verse 1, no condemnation to them that are in, the, in Christ Jesus. When you have the Spirit, uh, you're, you, have, uh, you don't have to be condemned if you start to follow the ways of the Spirit of God. The law of the Spirit can make you free from the law of sin and death. And so in verse 1, it says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. Who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit, it is repeated again. It says, verse 3, For what the law could not do in that it was weak. Why was this law which was holy, and the law which was good, and the law which was just, and the law which was spiritual, why was it being hindered from working in me? Well, because of my flesh. So you can have all the laws there. I can memorize them. But if I go and live contrary then it will be destructive. And that is why David said, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, 
Whatever it is, whether it's the sports world or the fashion world, a child of God must be able to think outside of the box of society. When you see them running one way, don't run behind them. Don't admire the beast for what it does. It will canker your soul. Don't, don't latch on to your let a carnal interpretation of scripture affect your mind. We need to understand what the work of the spirit is. That is why you need to follow me online when it's live. Tap your spirit in. Sing the choruses. Don't busy with your fingers and the iPad. Follow the choruses. Let your spirit uh, reach on to God. And Paul, he went on here and he talks about the spirit. And he talks about to be carnally minded in verse, uh, verse 6. He says to be carnally minded. To let the flesh lead and direct you. And so David, when he says, I walk not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stand in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat of that which God will destroy. And we are so sad, I can find individuals that's not in, to a great extent following the counsel of the ungodly. He says, but his delight, when your delight is in the law of the Lord and in the Lord's law, you meditate day and night. You know what meditate means? Uh, we don't, I don't believe in yoga. I really don't. I don't believe a child of God ought to do yoga. Well, you don't have Christ in your life. You need yoga. But I believe in meditating. There's a little difference there. You see, I can meditate, and the devil says, well, do yoga, it meditates. So I leave with the spiritual aspect and start to latch on to pagan religion, and I start to meditate, and demons fill my mind. Meditate on the Word of God is a whole lot different than sit down and close your eyes and meditate. When the Bible says, they that meditate on the law of God, uh, he, this man is not blessed, he's blessed because he does not walk in all of these things. But in his law, the law of God, the word of God that I'm preaching today, you meditate when? Day and night. Don't put God on a back burner in your life. Are you listening to me? Find time to serve God. Don't build the flesh up. Find time to nurture your spirit, man. Read the Bible. Follow the lessons. Play them over and over again. Open your Bible and take some notes. Pray. Prayer is like what you need, like oxygen is necessary for physical survival. Prayer is necessary for your spiritual survival. So if you don't pray, you're a zombie, spiritually speaking. You're dead, man. Excuse me using some West Indian phrases here. You're dead. If you don't pray, you're dead. And then if you don't study, you're lacking spiritual food. And if you spend more time watching the internet than listening to the word of God, you are one contrary being. It's like you got high cholesterol, 
and clogged arteries, and you pray that God should help you, but you go and buy the fattiest hamburgers and eat it. You're a contradiction to yourself. God can't fill you because you're a leaky vessel. When you do contrary to what God demands, you are a leaky vessel. You're a cistern that can't hold water because you leak it out. Now, would God continuously fill you if you're finding a way to leak it out? When you presumptuously violate the laws of God and fill your mind with all kinds of carnal things and don't give yourself time to grow in the spirit, you can't prosper. But this man is blessed when he meditates in the law of God and in his law that he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. When you follow the principles of God's word, the more you follow it is the less you would be affected. You see, the devil had to have permission from God before he could touch Job. Does the devil need permission from God to touch us? Or he already got that. And so, until we get that unction from above, we need to follow the principles of hygiene principles and all the COVID-19 uh, uh, COVID principles because when the sinner is getting judged, we're getting judged the same way. We're no different. We talk different. We say we are different. But if we're getting the same judgment, we need to make some changes in our lives. And so uh, here in chapter 8, uh, the plan of God in verse 28, it says, for we know that all things that happen to you, all things good or bad, is happening for your, for your spiritual development. There are men in the Bible that were sick. Paul had a thorn in the flesh. Why? Was he a sinner? That's why he had it. No, God gave Paul a messenger of the devil to buffet him. So with all the revelations and understanding he had, he would not be exalted above measure. I believe God touches my mind ever so often. And when I make a statement from the pulpit and someone's name is involved, the saints that know me get a little concerned because it means that person's name that's mentioned negatively ought to watch out because something is going to happen. I don't prepare what I want to say. I come and extemporaneously. This is my notes for today. Look at it. I turn it upside down and put it down. Because we are on a different track here today. And I want you to follow me carefully here as we go through this. And Paul says here, All things work together for good to them that love God and are the call according to his purpose. Things, all things, good things, bad things, judgment, uh, chastisement, everything is meant for your spiritual growth and development. God will save his elect. Come whatever. And it says, and so, for whom he did foreknow, God did foreknow you long before you transgressed his law. He knew who you were, but he did predestinate you. If you're an elect and your destiny is already determined, the process that you need will never be avoided. It will be worked in your life. 
You can either fall on the rock and be broken, or the rock falls on you and crush you. Guess, listen what, child of God. If you're listening to me today and you're a child of God and you want to serve God on the weekend and serve God limitly and put him on the timetable and put him on the back burner of your life and not on the highest pedestal, he will break the pedestals you've got until he stands on the highest one. He will save you. Because whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate you to do what? To be confirmed to the image of society. No, sir. To be confirmed to the image of the royal family. No, sir. To be confirmed to your past leaders. No, sir. Or madame. To be confirmed to the image of his son. See, when it's all over, and that is why the ministry was given apostle and prophet and pastors and teachers to bring us into confirmation until we come to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. We need our spirits cleansed from what we are and turned to the image of Christ. I got 10 minutes to go. And so it says there, for moreover, it says here, 29, For we know for whom he did foreknow, them he also predestinated to be conformed to the image of his son. That's the end goal. Whether you're from Africa, or you're from the West Indies, or you're from Canada, the end result for the elect is to be confirmed to the image of his son. So the path that God might have for an African is the different path he might have for a, uh, for a Guyanese because what he needs to move out from the heart of the Guyanese might be different from the heart of the African. The end result, same goal, same goal. And so you keep in mind, looking onto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Remember that, we'll get into that before this, this service ends. He says uh, in that uh, Christ might be the firstborn among many brethren. So Christ has a spirit that every overcomer must develop the same attitude and mentality of Christ. You got to judge like him. You got to enjoy uh, things like he would. If he can't sit with you and enjoy a show, then don't enjoy it. Because Christ must be developed in us. You must die, Christ must be formed. Paul says, I die daily. Why, Paul? So Christ can be formed in us. Amen. We're to live for Christ. And Paul went on here, he says, whom he did predestinate. Uh, he would call, if he predestinate you, he would call you in a time when he is ready. And whom he did call, what he would do, he would justify you in his own time in spite of how you feel, and whom he justify, he would take you down to the end of your life until he can glorify you. It is a spiritual work. And so we back up here, back to Matthew chapter 15. And so the Pharisees, if your life is just built on human traditions, guess what? It's not going to form the, 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 the very image of Christ. It will not be developed. If the mold has a defect, the product produced from that mold can never fit and, and fulfill its purpose. An assembly line that makes parts, you go through a part and there is a mold that these parts must be fitted in. And, and those molds, if they, there's a defect in that mold, the part would be defected. And this church 
The work of God in every dispensation offers a mold. If it's a carnal mold built on human principles, you're serving God in vain. No matter how you dance, how you sing, and how you shout, you're serving God in vain. And what we need to do is, is don't, don't depend on the mechanics. Don't depend on the band. Don't depend on our little human actions and little frivolity. Depend on the Spirit of God. But before you can do that, we must have the Spirit of God. Not fabricate it. We have corrupted the work of God. Let's stop corrupting the work of God. Let's stop bringing in traditions that God has not ordained. And Paul, uh, Jesus went on here. He says, you hypocrites, verse 7. Well, did Isaiah prophesy of you? You see the prophets, they prophesy about this. It says, this people draw nigh to me with their mouth and honor at me with their lips. But their hearts are not in here. Their hearts are never cleansed. They're never converted. He says, and as such... They're serving God. In vain do they worship me. Worship is not just say praise, 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 hallelujah. Worship is holding God in high esteem. You worship him. You might not say a single word, but you worship God because he is held in a position of high esteem in your life that you serve him and you honor him. Coming to church and make a lot of noise and, and saying you're serving God is not what I'm talking about. We had a little article this morning in uh, one of the brothers posted about Brother Goodwin making a statement about fair. You know, uh, Brother Goodwin was a great man. He was my teacher. I was about the closest minister that was with him. That's what I think. I supported him more than any other minister supported him. Financially and morally and physically as much as I could do. Did I follow Brother Goodwin? Only his ways which be in Christ. And I've seen, seen people come and because Brother Goodwin's got a nice watch, they want the watch. Because he comes, I'm wearing his watch here. This is his watch. I have a Rolex on my hand here today. Uh, more than I have money in the bank. But this is his watch given to me because I was determined to be one of his faithful ministers. And so this watch looks like it's brand new Rolex on my hand. Can you believe that? Uh, the most expensive part of my body. And when I'm finished, I shake it up, make sure it's working. And I put it on today because it needs to get worked on. It's an automatic. I put it away and that's it. So I got his watch means I got his mantle. No, sir. I follow his ways which be in Christ. And not because he drives a nice car must I have nice cars. He had his own cross to carry that I did not ever want to carry his cross. I got my own, he's got his own, and I followed his ways which be in Christ. The best thing you can have is the right spirit. And so Paul, Jesus went on, he says, His people draw nigh to me with the mouth, honor at me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines. Commandments of men will destroy us and ruin us because it's a facade. It's not real. It's not given by God. And it produces carnal minds and carnal minds can never produce a spiritual church. And so here in John 4, Jesus said the time is coming. He says you worship you know not what. 
He says in verse 23, chapter 4 of John, he says, The hour cometh, and now is, when true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. <clears throat> we must be real in what we do. We must serve God with reality. And our last scripture here is in Hebrews, the uh, 12th chapter of Hebrews, where Paul writes, and he says, looking unto Jesus, wherefore, verse 1, seeing we're compassed about with so great a cloud of witness, let us lay aside, lay aside unnecessary things that's hindering your life. <clears throat> lay aside weight and sin which doth so easily, easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. The best example, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of the faith, who saw the goal, and that's what he was heading to. He saw the end result, who for the joy that was set before him, endured the process that God had to take him through. Endure the cross, and despise the shame and reproach, because he knew what was the end result? My end result is to develop the right spirit and have the right attitude. Here in this same chapter, he went across and showed about chastening and all of that. And then in verse um, 23, 22 and 23, he says, But we are come unto Mount Zion, unto the city of the living God. We're talking spiritual city of the living God, unto the heavenly Jerusalem. Not a literal one. A heavenly Jerusalem and an innumerable, comp innumerable company of angels. To the general assembly, to the work of God, the general assembly and church of the firstborn. What a name to call a church. Church of the firstborn. But it's best you don't name it. It's best you live it. The church of the firstborn which is written in heaven. And to God the judge of all. And to the spirits of men that are justified and processed by God and the spirits are made perfect. That is why we're here today. We are here to serve God and develop his spirit. My friend, the letter kill it. The letter kill it. It is necessary to tap into the service with your spirit. Let God cleanse your spirit. Can I give you one verse more before we bring it all to a close? Second Corinthians uh, chapter 7, Paul said in chapter 7 of Second Corinthians, he said, Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh. Cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit. Not only flesh, but we need the right spirit. Perfecting holiness in the fear of God perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for another day in your house. We thank you, Lord, that you're giving us the opportunity that we can come to the place that we can perfect holiness. Help us, dear God. Help us, dear God. Father, give us your spirit, for we can't serve you unless we have your spirit. For you're a God that is seeking such to worship you, they that can worship you in spirit and in truth. Help us to worship you, Father, in spirit and in truth. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen and amen. Praise God.